0: Just thank you for that truth this morning—that yes, um, yes. uh, that you are the light, Jesus, and that the darkness is not dark around you. That's um, right. So we thank you for that. We love you. We offer our songs to
1: you today. Yes. Amen. Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, thank you. I think I'm going to get that stool. I'm thinking I want to sit today. How about that? No, you know, it's just going it. to be a little casual. It's. I'll get it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get that. So um, I was reminded this morning that um, 12 years ago today, Angie and I went to the wedding of these two wide-eyed kids. And uh, <laughs> it's their 12th anniversary today, Clay and Megan's. And uh, isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? The fact that Megan's put up with him that long, I mean, that just says a lot. It really does. So look at that. And he just brought me a stool, and I'm talking bad about him. How about that? Okay. Um, so quick question I was I was over at the Davis's house Friday night and uh, there were all these strange kids there that just brought back wonderful memories for me because when I was a kid our house was that place where all the kids came right so I have a weird question can anybody hear whistle now I don't mean like I mean like the two finger in the that whistle huh yeah thank you Ellen Hamby ladies and gentlemen okay so when I was little no matter whose house you were at you knew your dad's whistle every dad had a different whistle or a mom sometimes had it right but you knew the whistle and when you heard the whistle you had to go and when I was a kid one of the one of the uh, most rambunctious kids in our neighborhood uh, who could be you know pretty wild even him when his dad whistled he dropped what he was doing and took off running okay but he knew it we didn't have to there was no question whose dad it was we knew our dad's whistle I mean we knew it from a you know from a far distance my twin brother can't hear at all so he knew to watch for me and if I went like this he knew dad whistled and we had to go so many years later when I was a grown-up okay um, I was working for a bank and I was it's a long story but I was grilling hot dogs in front of the bank I was part of the marketing team and across the street from this branch was my dad's lawnmower shop and he was outside with a friend of his they were just hanging out together and my dad elbowed his friend and he went and I jumped I mean from across the street right and he laughed and I saw him like slapping his leg he thought it was so funny so I told him he couldn't have a hot dog but um, (laughs) here's my point we knew our dad's sound okay I could never whistle when I was when my kids were little, I developed this thing. I had read somewhere that a foghorn carries a really long distance because it's low. And because my last name is Hui, I used to just go Rrrr. Now watch, one of my kids will call, right? They'll call they'll <laughs> my phone, yeah, you know? But they knew that sound, okay? Miss Bonnie's best friend, Miss Kitty, when they go out together, they have this thing called the caca, right? And they could be out in a crowded place somewhere and one will cacaw to the other one. Right? And they know it. So why do we do that? Because sometimes we need to know, you know, who we're speaking to. And I'm telling you this, kids especially, because Jesus talks about himself as our shepherd. And he says that my sheep, they know my voice. When I call them, they know it's me. Okay? Just like you know your dad's whistle or. A caca or whatever it is, okay? You know the voice. Alright? Alright. So that's what I got for the kids' message today, and I was inspired by what I saw at the Davis's house. So last week. And together we're learning that the book of Psalms is a book for all seasons of life. The Psalms are a collection of 150 of the greatest songs ever written. So I decided to find out what was what did the internet think the greatest songs of all time were, right? So according to Rolling Stone magazine, here's what they are. All right, number 1, Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. Action, right? Number 3, John Lennon's Imagine. Number 4, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On? And number five, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Areth Franklin, right? And the list goes on. The executive staff of Rolling Stone magazine are probably all baby boomers, right? Uh, And they seem to have a bias toward English language songs, although La Bamba did make that list as well. And they don't seem to know much about history. And I say that because if they did, they would know that the most sung song of all time is Happy Birthday. And the most loved song of all time is the 23rd Psalm. Among literary scholars, poetry scholars, and Bible scholars, Psalm 23 is regarded as the single greatest piece of literature ever written. And among Christians, Psalm 23 may be the most encouraging and most frequently memorized chapter of all time. Its six sentences are recited at more bedsides, gravesides, and every season than any other. The Lord is the good shepherd, and he loves, protects, guides, and cares for his flock through any and all seasons. So I'm gonna pray for us as we get started. We're gonna dig into an extremely familiar psalm today and hopefully come out with something new, okay? Father God, thank you. Thank you for watching and for protecting, for caring and for loving me throughout my life here on earth and for eternity in heaven. You are truly a good shepherd. Help us, Lord, to keep that truth foremost in our minds and our hearts always and all god's people said amen okay so if you have your bibles handy you want to turn over to psalm 23 it comes right after psalm 22 which is convenient right so um i got i got it up on the screen today it's a it's poor choice of backgrounds i have to apologize for that because that one's just kind of there but uh we're gonna go for it all right so here we go david writes this the lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you have never heard that before? (laughs) None of us, right? How many of you were doing it in the King James Version in your head, right? Just because. First of all, we don't know why we do that, but we do. And David's poem, this is really interesting, actually consists of seven simple statements and it's written in this literary form called the chiastic style so I want you to think of it kinda like a sandwich okay David begins by telling us that he has everything he needs because he has the Lord but he concludes it by saying that because of this he will have everything he needs forever that's verse 1 and verse 7 okay now in the second and sixth statements he has all the food and drink he needs in the third and fifth statements he has all the peace and security that he needs and in the exact middle of the poem he says so even in my darkest moments I will not fear how many of you ever noticed that before? this is a poem to learn from and to live by let this song sink into your soul because if the Lord is your shepherd you'll have no wants including food and drink and security and peace, so you will never have to fear. But face the world with faith and hope, and the world to come with anticipation. So let's, let's walk through this together, okay? And uh, we'll begin here by acknowledging that in David's childhood, he was a shepherd. He started out that way. He tended his father's sheep on the hillsides of Judea, and David knew what it was like to be a good shepherd, and he knew what it was like to be a well-cared-for sheep. David writes as a Middle Easterner, their mindset is different than ours. Okay, In, in the West, we think me, is a community not an individual it's still true for us as individuals but it's even more so true for us as a community there are promises for all of us now david writes the psalm from the perspective of a sheep i thought that was kind of kind of an interesting choice right what do we know about sheep well we know that america's national symbol is the eagle We know that Great Britain's is the lion. We know that Russia has the bear. I can tell you after two weeks over there that Scotland's, funny enough, is the unicorn. Don't know why. But no nation in the history of nations has ever designated a sheep to be its national symbol, you know? You know why? Because sheep are stupid. Sheep are dumb, they're defenseless, and they are dependent. That's not a great marketing thing for them right but if the Lord is your shepherd your sheep and David's opening line summarizes this whole song the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want when the Lord is my shepherd all my wants are taken care of this is the world of the sheep The other six statements then show how this promise is true. Statement two says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know the the proverb that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Well, no one can make a sheep drink either. And no one can make a sheep lie down if it doesn't want to. Sheep only lie down when they have had plenty to eat when they've quenched their thirst and they're not threatened by wild animals or disturbed by biting bugs. You know the barking of one stray dog can cause an entire herd to jump up and run off? If it's not stopped by an alert shepherd. He makes me lie down, makes it sound like there's some sort of force involved, like a wrestling move or something like that. right? you know sometimes when you're parenting small children like you are going to bed and you think it's going to become physical at some point you know it's not like that here okay what, David's mean, what David means here is he settles me down he settles me down in green pastures the the climate in Israel is like semi-desert okay there's only three months of green pasture so for sheep this means that they get to eat in brown pastures with dried out straw instead of pastures of tasty grass so the Lord settles his sheep in green pastures by leading them to places of refreshment that they couldn't find on their own Israel has no fenced fields
0: and no agro farms
1: each day to graze in the wilderness in the north shepherds will take their sheep up 8,500 feet to find green pastures in the summer and in the winter they feed down at the lower elevations so because the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he settles me down in green pastures and the second part of this sentence is he leads me beside still waters You know, the the shepherd has to plan his daily schedule around the availability of water in the middle of the day. Traditional grazing rights, whatever relationships are between the shepherds and between the landowners and and the tribes or the village or whatever is involved in in this selection of where to graze and where where to water the flock. And the good shepherd leads me, David says. He doesn't drive me. Right? He doesn't have a bullwhip. he's not you know, behind. Okay, The shepherd does this by walking ahead, slowly, and, and leading his sheep, and, and he does this either by playing like a little 10 second tune on a pipe, or singing a unique song, or a call. Each sheep knows his shepherd's tune or his pipe, they know his voice. In this region of the world, shepherds will gather together around a, a watering hole, where oh I don't know why I'm getting so much static. Sorry, um, where all the sheep mingle and they drink and they rest. And when a, a shepherd decides that it's time to leave, he gives his call, and all of his sheep will immediately separate themselves from the the mixed flock, and they will follow their shepherd wherever he leads them just theirs okay so it there's a lot of sheep in Scotland a lot okay I mean like everywhere you look there you see it looks like cotton balls all over the place and Scotland is extremely green because it literally rains all the time even when it's not raining it's raining I mean it's just wet so the grass is vibrant green and there are sheep everywhere and at one point uh, we were on a tour bus and we were going up and, and I saw these, these sheep, and I saw one that had this red stain on its side, and I thought, oh my goodness, it, it got hurt, you know, by, by something, right? And then the, the tour bus driver pointed out that if you look at these sheep as we're going by, you'll see that they all have different colored dots on them, you know, so that, that was actually there on purpose. Among the the owners or the shepherds as to who belonged to who and he but he said this, he said this rarely happens because when the shepherd comes calling the sheep know who their shepherd is they're they're so timid they won't even let a stranger get near them. And she tried, okay. If you know my wife, you know she loves animals, all animals, and and she she saw it and she's like I've got to touch it, right no luck. Didn't happen. She couldn't get anywhere close to the sheep, right? The phrase he leads me beside still waters is literally beside stilled waters. Sheep are afraid to drink from moving water, even if it's shallow, because they know instinctively that if they get caught in that water, they're they're covered in wool. Once that wool gets wet, they're going to sink like a stone. So they won't do that so where there's a stream the shepherd will actually like dig out a short like channel like a, a deep end channel that, that kind of leads away from the stream and all the sheep will kind of
0: gather up there
1: i lack nothing because he settles me in green pastures and he leads me beside stilled waters and then the third sentence says he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake and in Hebrew the, the first part of the sentence reads he brings me back author uh, Ken Bailey explained that this makes clear that the the sheep is lost and to carry it back what did we just sing prone to wander. Guilty. We all are. Bailey said shepherds in the Holy Land have told me that once a sheep knows that it's lost, it tries to hide under a bush or a rock and it begins quivering and bleeding and the shepherd must locate it quickly unless it's heard and killed by a wild animal. So on being found, it's usually so traumatized it can't even walk and it has to be carried back to the flock or to the village. This is why the shepherd must lead the sheep back to paths of righteousness, to to the right paths. A lost sheep can't find its way home on its own. As, As a lost sheep, my only hope is the shepherd. So once I've strayed off the path, he has to literally pick me up, carry me to safety. I need my shepherd. We all do. And all the villagers know that the good shepherds are the ones who never lose a sheep, and they're the ones who always bring back the ones that are lost. Middle Eastern villages have an honor-shame culture. It's something very foreign to us, but honor is everything to them. So no self-respecting shepherd would leave his lost sheep has a reputation to uphold. So the good
0: shepherd finds the lost
1: for their sake, but he also, he loves them and he does it for his namesake so that he is honored. So again, let's, let's review this. The Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. He settles me in green pastures. He leads me beside quieted waters. He brings me back from the wrong path and he leads me onto the right path for his namesake, for his glory. And then the most important line in the poem is the fourth one. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There are places in the Holy Land, uh, and I've seen pictures of this, and, and there are um, there. Are There are these deep, dark valleys that are very dangerous. They're no joke, okay, to sheep or people because you don't know what's down there. You can't see well. You can't do any of that. And if you've you've heard of the city of Petra, it's one of those places, okay? So George Lansa writes in his book, Shepherd of All, he says, Valleys of the shadow of death are paths which wind in between mountains where there are dark shadows and deep gorges. Travelers march slowly and silently in order to avoid being seen or heard by bandits. The fear of death is constantly on their minds. They tremble. They expect trouble or death at any time while they're passing through. Fear can be paralyzing. And sometimes these valley passageways, they, they can't be avoided either in Israel or in life sheep have a special problem they don't have any defenses cats have claws dogs have teeth horses can kick bears can bite and claw deer can run sheep can't do anything they have no game at all they can't bite claw and they cannot run anything their only security is from the shepherd Which leads David to the next line and why he doesn't fear. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. The sheep's defense and offense is, quite frankly, just the shepherd. It's all they got. And a shepherd has two tools. The rod, which is like a two and a half foot club. It's usually carved out of a piece of wood with a knot on the end of it okay think of like a a medieval mace but like a wooden one and sometimes the shepherds would have um pieces of metal uh you know put in there to, to give it a little more heft right and wolves and bears are taller than sheep and so the shepherd can literally hurl this club you know at them over the back of the sheep and knock the predator on the head and up close they can just swing it, you know, like a ball bat, like a weapon, right? And a shepherd's staff, or a shepherd, you know, they call it a crook, is just what you've seen in like nativity scenes and all that sort of thing. It's just a, it's a long stick with a curve, and they pull you off stage, right? It's that kind of thing, right? And the shepherd climbs with it, and the shepherd can use it to direct the sheep who huddle around him. And it's, it's long enough that he can reach and guide the closest sheep in the right direction. And it's usually five feet long, and a shepherd is never without it. And when a lamb can't scramble down from a ledge or they fall into a crevice, the staff is for directing the flock in its daily uh, grazing, right? It can use the, the hook of it, and he can catch that sheep by the leg, right, or by the shoulder. And gently lift it back onto the path or or get it down off the ledge off the path, right? So it's it's all about directing the flow and the traffic here for this flock in its daily grazing. And the the sight of these two tools. And then the, the sixth statement that David writes, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now this is interesting because he's no longer talking from the perspective of the sheep anymore. Right? He he shifts from a sheep to a guest. And in his mind, God moves from being a shepherd to a host. So, to prepare a table literally means to prepare a meal. Okay, this, this host, my host, he, he prepares my meal in the presence of my enemies. People who are hostile to me. Hostile toward me are going to become hostile toward him too. But he doesn't care. He loves me enough to bear the scorn of the people who don't like me. And then it talks about anointing. You know, excellent hosts in the Middle East, they do more than just serve you food. They make your stay at their home pleasant. And one way they do that is they they wash your feet, which we know that, you know, Jesus showed that to his disciples. He modeled that behavior, right? And and, uh, second thing they do is they anoint your head with oil. Pouring this sweet-smelling lotion. So Jesus had his feet anointed by a lady named Mary at a banquet during Holy Week. And she didn't feel worthy of pouring oil on his head. So she poured oil on his feet and dried it with her hair. And as David's host pours oil on his head, the enemies who are present are infuriated. His host is sparing no effort to make this one whom they hate feel special. And if that's not bad enough, he's got waiters around the table hovering. You know, waiters do that, you know. We've, Angie and I have this term, we've turned the Cracker Barrel into a verb. Okay, because if you go to Cracker Barrel and you get a coffee, and you get your coffee just right, because I don't drink my coffee black, I'm mean, going to get just the right amount of creamer, just the right amount of sweetener in there. I get it all mixed up. I get one sip, and some lady will be right there. Let me fix that for you, baby. And that just goofed up the whole combination. So now i got to start all over. It's like a chemistry thing, right? So I've gotten good, right? You know, they come over. I just put my hand over the cup. No, do not. But at, but at home, like this morning, we were having our Bible study, and she said, hey, I'm going to go crack." Cracker where there are waiters sort of like hovering around the table okay for this for this next part so that every time he takes a sip of his wine they refill his cup and his cup is overflowing he can never drink it down as David thinks about his life he sees it for what it is it's a walking adventure, a shepherd with a host who, who cares for his every need, everywhere he leads him. David saying, I'm never going to complain again, because with, with my God, it's always an overflowing cup. It's always the best robe. It's always the fattened calf. It's always joy unspeakable. Depending on our perspective, And what's going on but we have to remember that in the grand scheme of things God's perspective he is always loving and giving and gracious always if the Lord is your shepherd this is your psalm and this is your promise because this is your life so I'm gonna read the 23rd Psalm as it is intended to be heard he settles you in green pastures. He leads you beside stilled waters. He carries you back from the wrong path and he leads you onto the right path for his namesake, for his glory. Even during the times when you walk through your valleys of shadow and death and you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear evil because you're not alone. Your shepherd is with you. He's always with you. He a rod to protect you and a staff to direct you he prepares your daily food even while your enemies are watching and he pours oil on your head and he never lets you
0: goodness and mercy
1: shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is that shepherd sheep image again. It's, um, it's getting toward nighttime. And the shepherd is leading you home and as it gets dark he, he stations his assistant at the rear of the herd so that no wolf can sneak up and attack. And if the shepherd has a dog he sends him to the rear too. And as the shepherd leads you from the front, his dog and his assistant watch over you from, from the back. You know, they're hurting, basically, right? They're your rear guard. And David says that the two guards God has stationed to follow me are goodness and mercy. Tov and Hesed are the Hebrew words. Goodness and mercy, they guide my flanks. They follow me all the days of my life. I'm never without them. And if the Lord is your shepherd, you're not being followed by evil.
0: you're being followed by goodness
1: enough because the shepherd's also a host, He's prepared a place for you. It's called heaven, and you will live in his house there forever. This, uh, my friends, is a good song. Amen? It beats, Dylan's like a rolling stone for sure, okay? It beats no satisfaction. And if the Lord is your shepherd, you are known, you are loved, and you are prepared for and cared for. And you have satisfaction, ironically, every day and forever. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I put that right in your way, didn't I? I just, I just did that. So. Let me pray for us. Father, I just, um, I felt this morning that, that there was a real hurdle to approaching something that is probably the most familiar chapter in the entire Bible. various uh, events, whether it's at funerals or or wherever it is, Lord, we've heard this. And because we've heard it, we think we know it. God, my prayer today, my prayer every day, is that we remember that you are the Good Shepherd. And what that really means, that means that you are there to protect us, to guide us, to give us green pasture and still water that that you do these things so that we can glorify you that we can glorify what it means to follow you to have you as our shepherd to share that good news with those in our lives who maybe have a different shepherd and need a good shepherd Lord, would you remind us this week? Would you give us eyes to see this psalm this week in a brand new way, in an exciting way, in a bold way? Lord, we want to be good sheep. And that comes down to following you, the good shepherd. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. you stand with us. We have a good and faithful shepherd, Amen. And that's amazing news. That's wonderful news. So that doesn't mean we should ignore the rest of the flock. So it is summer. People are traveling. Please be in prayer for the families that are not here because they're probably on the road, and we don't want any. We want travel mercies. All right. We want to see them back together. We all want to hang out together, right? So please be in prayer for them. Be in prayer for the church as well. Um, if you have any needs, please. Come, let me know so that I can be praying for you as well. And uh, just go out and enjoy the week, remembering that you're protected, you're loved, and all your needs are cared for because you have a good shepherd. Amen? Amen? Amen.
0: Amen.